Matthew chapter number eight, if you would please. This is a um, this is one of my favorite chapters to pick stories out of. I love it. Uh, in verse twenty three, it starts that uh, they were in a storm, and the scripture said that he was asleep. Now I know you can't imagine this tonight, but I just want to help put somebody's mind at ease. It don't trouble him nearly as bad as it troubles you. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? He can sleep through the things that scare us to death. Praise God. You can rest in knowing that everything's going to be all right. You believe that? Praise God. So the Lord had entered with them in the ship. It's recorded in another gospel that before they got in the ship, he said to them, let us go to the other side. The word of God that went forth was that they were going over. But sometimes in the process between the word and the fulfillment, you're going to face some storms. There's going to be some difficult seasons. But I've come to encourage you tonight to hold on to the word that he gave you. Are you hearing what I'm telling you tonight? He did not tell them about the storm when they got in the boat, but he did say it's going to be all right. And so you need to know this evening that everything is going to be all right. But it's interesting how storms build our faith. In verse 26, he said, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and he rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. The men marveled, saying, and notice this is not a question mark. This is not a question mark. It's an exclamation. What manner of man is this? That even the winds and sea obey him. It's a statement of faith. Everything changed. They weren't asking what about this guy. They were saying, did you see what just happened? What a man. What a man. What kind of man is this? And so just about the time they come through the storm, I want everybody to just let out a big sigh tonight. Somebody say it's over. The storm was over. But when he was come to the other side, still in the boat, the storm had just passed into the country of the Gergesenes, also uh, known as Gadara. There met him two possessed with devils. Isn't that about right? Storm's over. You got peace. Now you're fighting devils. And we act like we ought to put this on cruise control and just relax. Come on, somebody. There met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them a herd of many swine feeding, So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And Jesus came up with this amazing uh, speech with a plethora of words, abracadabra, hocus pocus. What did he say? Do you understand there was no negotiating? It wasn't a recommendation. It was a command. Go. I believe the Holy Ghost has walked in here tonight to speak into somebody's life that has been troubled. And I feel that two-letter word is about to be activated in somebody's soul tonight. Hallelujah. I want to preach to you from this subject, if I may, tonight. I've preached from this chapter so many times Over the last 20, 25 years, but I felt led of this tonight as I walked into the sanctuary. I felt a shift. The Lord is going to help somebody in this place. But I want to preach to you tonight from this subject. I'm going through. I'm going through. Turn to your neighbor tonight and tell them, I'm going through. Praise God. You may be seated. I'm going through. It seems to be the story of life sometimes that we go from trouble to trouble, trial to trial, and it feels almost like at times there's no relief. 
It's amazing how that these disciples have decided that they're going to lay everything down and follow Jesus. And so the Lord does some interesting things uh, in their following him in the fact that while they're with him, they never had to worry about anything. They didn't have to worry about where they were going to eat. They didn't have to worry about where they were going to sleep. There's some comfort in knowing that when you follow after Jesus and abandon plan B, and he becomes the only plan in your life, that everything's going to be all right. It's troubling and perplexing enough in this life. I cannot imagine going through storms and trials and troubles without him. But here's what I believe concerning what we read tonight. I believe that whether Jesus would have been on the boat or not, the storm still would have came. And you're looking at a man who made up his mind a long time ago uh, in this pulpit that if I'm going to face storms, I might as well be riding in the vessel with Jesus. The storms are going to come. The trials are going to come. The winds are going to blow. The lightning is going to flash. The thunder is going to crash. The waves are going to rock my boat. But if Jesus is on the vessel, I've got to believe that everything is going to be all right. Can I preach to somebody in the Holy Ghost tonight and tell you, turn that thing loose and let Jesus take over. Praise God. So, so there's power in, in following after him. There's power in knowing that he is with them. It wasn't like Jesus asked them to just kind of give it a trial run and follow after him. If you read the story and the way that it works, most of them followed him over a three-year period of time, they legitimately abandoned their lives as they knew it to follow after Jesus. And, and I'm afraid this is one of the weak places of our theology anymore in the modern churches that we allow ourselves to feel like we're following him two days at a week. We give him Sunday and Wednesday and then say that we're disciples and we're following him. I know that this is contrary to popular belief and it's contrary to popular theology, but I'm telling you tonight that Jesus is wanting somebody in this hour who's willing to lay down everything in your life and follow after him as if he's the only thing that you've got. I feel tonight, I feel the desperation of the hour. There's too many people in the 21st century church that are holding on to their floaties so they don't sink. Hey Amen. there's a bunch of us saying we got faith, but we're floating around in a life jacket like there's nothing that he is going to do to help us. Hey, I'm telling you tonight, he's either powerful enough for every storm in your life or he doesn't have the power for any storm. I, I feel like the call to die, the call to follow, the call to be crucified is stronger and louder than it's ever been. I hear the voice of the Spirit daily in my life saying, come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow after me. And church, hear me, when the Lord comes back, he is not coming back for a bunch of folks who have served him half-heartedly and kept enough in the world that you can be comforted and enough in the church that you can be identified as a Christian. Well, that went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> we're sitting at the table today and just kind of chatting about the word a little bit. We were talking about Christianity and, and, and the direction that we moved over the last 2,000 years or so. And I made a simple statement that kind of echoed in my heart for the rest of the day that I would say... The theology of a modern Christian would be quite different to that of a Christian at Antioch where they were first called a Christian. You understand that the reason why they were labeled as Christians at Antioch is not because of what they professed. But because of what they lived without fear or favor of men. I, they didn't care if their boss said, I'll fire you. Come on somebody. I still believe in seeking first the kingdom of God 
I said with somebody the other day, they were talking to me about their job. And I told them, I said, every secular job that I ever had in my life, when I went in and talked to the manager, I told them, I won't be here on Sunday and I won't be here on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And they said, well, then you don't want the job. I said, then you don't want me working for you. It's time for us to get absolutely radical and sold out. I don't care what it costs me. I'm going to follow him first. When I was a boy, the old snooty church mothers had statements about people that was funny. There were a lot of people that had what I call Saul syndrome. They could tell everybody else how to wear armor but didn't want to wear their own. And some of them old snooty folks in the church, they'd look at the spiritual people, you know, and they'd say, well, they're just too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. Come on, somebody. They love that statement. I, I, I couldn't tell you how many times I heard, yeah, they just think they're, they're so spiritual. They're, they're too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. I'm going to tell you something tonight, folks. Please forgive me if it sounds like I'm being ugly, but I don't think that's something we got to worry about. I don't think we got anything to worry about about being so heavenly minded that we're of no earthly good. I'll tell you what I do believe though. I believe some of us ought to get our eyes off this old world and look just a little bit higher. It'd do some of us some good to get a little more heavenly minded. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying when you wake up in the morning, it's the first thing on your mind. When you go about your way, you can't get him off your mind. When you lay your head down at night, he's the last thing on your mind. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. I in no way want to make comparisons at all. Please, please understand the context in which I'm saying this. But we just celebrated the 20-year anniversary of one of the greatest attacks this nation has ever known, if not the greatest in our history. At Ground Zero, 9-11. And uh, New York City, the Pentagon, Pennsylvania field, it was a terrible day. I'm sure many of you, if I were to pass a microphone around tonight, could tell you where they were when the first plane struck the tower. By the time they found out when the second plane struck the tower, it was a dark day in America. And I remember uh, that particular time I was working for uh, the city and uh, I, I went down. All the air traffic had shut down. There was nobody flying at all except for military jets and Air Force One. And I remember getting out at the parking lot down at the city garage area, and I looked up, and there was a big jet flying over, and I knew then it was the President of the United States. It was so weird to see one airplane in the sky. That was it. That, I mean, that was it. There was nothing going on, but you do realize all that happened, and please understand the context from which I'm coming from tonight. But those men that flew those planes into buildings and, and whatever they did, they did all of that, in the name of their God. Are you understanding what I'm telling you? Somebody had convinced them that their reward outside of this life was greater than their reward of living. Now Jesus told his disciples to be willing to die. But if you read the story in the three and a half years that he was with them, not one of them died while he was with them. None. So it wasn't like he was telling them to go blow up synagogues and blow up temples and, and blow up places of worship because that's not how he is. But the principle that I'm trying to get to you is I really don't know what it takes to get something in the minds and the hearts of people. That this religious thing that we live uh, of Christianity, this is not just about saying that we're Christians and enjoying the luxury of worship services. Every week there is something greater that God is calling us to. It's depths that we haven't walked in yet because it's so deep that we can't control the flow and we can't put our feet down and we can't stand up. I believe it's like the, the vision that the prophet had when the waters were finally so deep that they were overwhelming over his head. They were waters to swim in. I'm calling the church tonight and telling you that there is a deep presence of God that's calling us to a deeper place than we have ever known before. He's calling us to the deep places. 
where the things that used to shake us don't shake us anymore. Oh, my God. What kind of relationship is this that when you're in the scariest storm perhaps you've ever been in, he looks at you and says, what's wrong with you? Where's your faith? I'm just telling you, if I talked to some of you like that, you'd leave. <laughs> Could you imagine that counseling session right there? Come walking in my office say, Pastor, I'm in the storm of my life. I said, what's wrong with you? Oh, ye of little faith. What's your problem? You wouldn't stay around long. But you know what? Once you followed him to a place that he's all you got. Oh, God. Let me ask you something. Would they have been better off to trust him and stay in the boat? What's your options? Are you going to jump out of the boat because you got mad? Are you going to jump out into the storm because you're frustrated? No, no, no. A million times no. You're better off to be in the boat in the storm as long as he's in it. It's so funny the way that we respond. We hit tough weather and somebody offends us with questions that we don't like. And so we get these crazy ideas. Well, if that's the way it is, I'm just going to build my own boat. (laughs) And I've watched people try to get in their own vessel, try to swim their own way out, try to make it through the storm. And I'm going to tell you what happens when you leave the boat and you leave the vessel that he's in. You're always going to get swallowed up in the storm. I'm saying to you tonight that I've always believed just like old Noah did. I'd rather be on the inside looking out than to be on the outside looking in. So while we're taking all of this into consideration, we're looking at this present world that we're in. I'm just going to be honest with you and tell you tonight. I cannot imagine living in 2021 without Jesus. Have you found anything else to put your confidence in? Come on now. A lot of folks don't like this kind of talk, but I'm telling you it's true. A lot of the things that we counted on to be our quote-unquote saviors through the years, it's just gone. It's gone. Come on now. It's like everything that we trusted in before, it's been shaken. Believe me. When I tell you this is in the same world we lived in five or six years ago. We got precious people in this church that work in the medical system and they could tell you right now it's not the same system they worked in two or three years ago come on now it's a different day and age that we're living in and you know I've always been grateful for doctors I've always been thankful for medicine I've always been but there has been a dynamic shift in our faith over the last 20 or 25 years that before we call on him we'll walk to the medicine cabinet Oh, Lord, you're welcome to stand or be seated. Or I'm telling you right now, this is hard kind of preaching. I know it is. But have you ever thought about what people used to do before they could get a prescription? Well, I'm just feeling a little down. So I went to the doctor and they gave me a little something to pick me up. Oh, God. And that little thing they gave you to pick you up, people are committing suicide because they're on the pick-me-up pill. And then that pill causes headaches, so you got to get a headache pill. And then that pill causes diarrhea, so you live on Pepto-Bismol. Hey, I'm telling you, I know it sounds funny, but before you know it, you're taking uppers in the day and sleepers at night. You're just trying to make it through and then you get to the place where things you used to abhor, now you embrace. Woo! Am I preaching to anybody who believes what I'm telling you? You listen, what I, you, you listen to what I'm telling you. I'm being sincere tonight. The world of big pharma has disconnected people through the last several years from the healing power of Jesus. Because when they can't find peace for their mind in prayer, 
they find peace for their mind in a pill. Right there standing out like a zipper at a Velcro convention. You know it? It ain't popular. I'm telling you, it's right. It's 100% right. And now the things we used to preach against, shooting up in your veins, now they put it in pill form, you just pop it in your mouth. But it's different when the piece of paper says it's okay. And I'm not anti-medicine. Understand that. I'm not anti-medicine. But people that have been addicted will tell you that you'll go in for a mild surgery and they'll give you one of the most addictive substances and tell you just take it for this week. And then you're all jacked up and your, 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 your system is chemically imbalanced. And then you got to decompress. I'm going to tell you what I believe, and maybe I'm wrong. I'll stand corrected if I am. I'm going to tell you what I believe. The things that have been far too accessible to us in the past are getting ready to be far less accessible to us in the future. You're not going to be able to run to the clinic every time your nose drips. Woo! Son, this is tough right here. I'm telling you, this, I'm, I must be digging deep, Brother Larry. This is tough. When we get to the place where we're relying on the arm of the flesh for everything we need. And God is calling us out to help us realize that he's always been more than enough. And he's still more than enough. I thank God for Christian counselors. There's some counselors I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for because that's too much. But I thank God for people that have dedicated their lives to giving good counsel, godly counsel out of the word. And, and I, I know if anybody hears this, I'm going to stand, stand before a judgment council of men that probably going to barbecue me for lunch. But listen, I'm being honest with you. Bishop and I were talking about this the other day. That there is a movement that has, that has there's, there's a spirit that swept through our movement that's literally saying, and he, he, I'm telling you, we were, we were just talking about this this week, that you can drug and counsel your way through any spiritual depression in your life. Being honest. And this is what they're saying in pulpits across the country. That, that if, if you're having a hard time finding relief, go get you a prescription. And you know what? Maybe we need some folks to get, I, I mean, there's some folks I'd like to adjust their medicine for them. Amen. I mean, if nothing else, just give them enough to be quiet. But I've got, I, I, I've, I've got to tell you tonight, that's not what victory has always looked like to me in my mind. Boy, I'm going to preach through this thing till it breaks up in here. The world and big pharma will never set the trend of deliverance in the church. I thank God for 12-step programs if that's what you need. But I came from a church as a boy that the only step program you needed was to step out of your pew and make your way to an altar and let God deliver you. Now, listen, I'm not going to embarrass anybody, okay? But if you have ever been addicted to any foreign substance and the Lord completely took the taste out of your mouth, I want you to stand.
In the end time, we better have enough power in the church for folks to get delivered in Jesus' name. Yes, I know depression's real. I'm telling you, I know it's real. I face depression trying to lead in the kingdom of God. I face depression. There have been times I don't know how my wife lived with me. I'm being honest. My God, man, you feel the pressure of your family and the pressure of the church and the pressure of a schedule and the pressure of preaching out and the pressure of camp meeting and the pressure of conference. It's like it's always pushing and always pressing and you find yourself just coming up trying to get air. Bishop, I've been depressed. I'm talking about enough that I, I, I know if I'd have went to the doctor, I'd have came home with a bag full. And pharmacy reps, man, I'd, I'd have been their guinea pig. They'd been glad to see me coming. They're like, get that dude some samples now. I'm just being honest. Okay? So understand that I'm not making fun of clinical depression. I understand that it's real. But I also understand that the symptoms that you have are only getting reprieve from medicine. You will never get delivered by the medicine. Now I know people are going to think, Bishop, I'm too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. I'm just going to be honest with you. The darkest days of my life. Are you hearing me? I'm talking about dark, dark days. The darkest days of my life. The first place I ran was not the clinic. I came right here. And I laid my hide right here on this floor. Right here. I laid myself out on the floor and I said, God, if you don't help me, I'm going to lose my ever-loving mind. If you don't reach down and touch me, I don't know what I'll do. And you know what? Sometimes when I got up, I didn't feel any better. So you know what I'd do? I'd go get me something to eat, some good cold to drink, and I'd come right back here and I'd lay my hide right back on the floor. Well, some of us work real jobs, Pastor. We... <laughs> some of us don't have time to just spend all day at the church praying. So I'd take a vacation day before I'd let myself get addicted. I'm not going to say, but I think, I think it was Brother Stephen Gill the other day that said to me, we went we played golf. It's been probably a month or so ago. We went and played golf, and he said, yeah, it must be nice to only work two days a week. You remember that? You liar. That's what happens when you're a smart aleck. You just forget about it. <laughs> hey, I'm going to tell you something, folks. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the way I was raised and being honest with you. Now, I got to get to where I'm going, get you, get you moving. Everybody doing okay? But I, I, I'm being serious. I'm a people person. I love to be with people. Anybody that's around me can tell you that. I love people. I love, man, I love people. I love crowds. I love conferences. I, love, I just love to be together. I love it. I, I absolutely love being together. But on dark days, there was nobody to help me pray through. Just being honest. I, I didn't have 15 people gathered around me, laying their hands on me, saying, God, strengthen pastor today. Now, I'm sure... Hopefully, I had at least 15 praying for me at some point during the day. But there's something about knowing that I don't have anywhere else to go. 
walking into that little room in there and just deciding that little prayer room in there and say, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not even going to turn on lights in here today. I don't care about lights. I don't care about anything. And just get, I, I, I walked in here one day, and I'm not trying to tell you too much, but I, I walked in here one day, and I didn't even want to lay out. In, I didn't want God looking at my face. I stuck my head underneath the chairs on the front row. I covered my body up to my waist. I buried my face in the carpet. I didn't even want God looking at me. I said, God, if you can feed your prophets laying by the riverside and command ravens to drop food off. God, if you can speak to your prophets when they're shut up in a cave and feel like there's nobody else. Would you please send an angel to me today? God, if, I mean. Now, for all you spiritual people that don't believe we still need angels, that's all right. You just keep on believing it. I had a joker tell me one time, and I say that as respectful as I can. Respectful towards the joker. He said, you know, after they got the Holy Ghost, they didn't need angels anymore. I was like, oh, do you read Acts 12? I'm sure it was Pentecostal preaching that set Peter loose from the inner chamber, wasn't it? It was somebody over at Rhoda's house saying, ah, I want you to know ah, that the doors ah, is about to be opened. Ah. And when they did, the doors just flung open. Does anybody know what it was? It was help from the supernatural world. It was a place that only God could get. Only God could get the glory for it. You know, I think that's where I'm at right now, Bishop, is I want God to do some things that are so big that only he can get the glory for it. The doctor's not going to get the glory for it. The pharmacy company is not going to get the glory for it. But God is going to get the glory for it. Be seated. Almost there. Everybody doing all right? Storms are coming. It seems like sometimes they just don't really go away. You just go from one to the other. But this is what I know. There was no lifeguard for them boys to call. They couldn't get on their cell phones in the middle of the sea and get on call the lifeguard and say, we're in trouble. They had to reach back to the back of the ship where the man, Christ Jesus, was laying at rest. And they said, how in the world can you sleep through this? And his response, and I know this isn't King James, but his, his response was, how can you be afraid during this? Is that what he said? Where's your faith? What happened to you? He's saying, how in the world can you be afraid right now? Do you know who's riding with you? I'm just going to ask you tonight, is he still in your vessel? Are you still riding with Jesus tonight? So they stepped off the boat, and I'm, I'm hurrying. They stepped off the boat, and wouldn't you know it, some ridiculous demons decided they were going to show their ugly face. Here they are rejoicing that he just brought them through the storm. And just as they step off the boat, they hear, wow. And the hair stands up on their arms. What was that, man? That was revival. I'll never forget one night we were at prayer meeting in the old building. I was out in Bishop's office trying to, I don't remember what it was, I was trying to print something from an email or something, dialing up on 56K modem. I mean, by the time it finished dialing up, prayer meeting was over. Not really. But. I'm sitting there at the computer, and I heard this sound come from the sanctuary that made the hair stand up on the back of my neck. I heard this voice that I knew wasn't coming from a man. I stood up from that chair and I said, oh, dear God, there's a devil in the sanctuary. I came walking in and Sister Saint met me just as I got there. She got there. Man, we were getting the glare eyes, brother. I'm telling you, 
That man was looking at us, and I said, come out in the name of Jesus. He said, no, he's mine. Said, he ain't yours. Come out in the name of Jesus. And he looked at my mother and spit on her. I said, all right, devil, that's how it's going to be. You're coming out. There ain't room for both of us in here. You're coming out. We prayed, we prayed, and we prayed. That devil came out of that man. He fell down on the ground and collapsed. So help me God. I'm being honest with you. The man fell down on the ground and collapsed. He was wore out and exhausted. And you were there. In less than five seconds, his wife, that was from me to Sister Martha, goes, No! I said, Dear God. I just, just told that sorry sucker to leave. And he jumped over there and his wife. I already told you once, and I'm going to tell you again, you're leaving. Son, you just hear me when I tell you. You can't tell somebody that's possessed, you better go get you some Prozac. At some point, you got to pray that thing out. Got a little, re- little revelation some time ago, and this ain't going to be popular. I'm just warning you ahead of time. But we don't hear a whole lot about demons being cast out, you know. And it ain't because the power of God has changed. Y'all got your seatbelts on? I'm going to tell you what it is. Are you ready? Some folks have got so comfortable with their devils that the devils know when to be dismissed while they're in church. And then they invite them back as soon as they leave. The reason we don't see a lot of folks delivered of them is because people are too happy to entertain them. (laughs) Son, I hate the devil so much. I mean, I I hate his gut. I'm standing up here trying to preach to y'all tonight. And I'm just looking out across this place thinking of some of the things that he's tried to do to your families. And I'm up here. I'm I'm thinking of the things he's tried to do to ministry and to our churches and trying to tear things apart and trying to mess people up. I'm sitting up here trying to preach to you. And all I can think of is how bad I hate his guts. I can't stand him. I I can't stand him. And I'm going to tell you right now, some of us are going to have to get sick of being comfortable with his garbage. Can, can, can I preach? I'm just about finished. But some of us come in here and talk about casting him out and then go home and watch movies he's produced. You can't invite it in your home and then sling oil on the door and expect it to leave. some point you got to get so sick of it you say not only get out but stay out get out and stay out go back to where you came from and get out you're never coming back again and so this demonic man so filled with the powers of darkness such a scary place to be Matthew records it in a unique way, so there were, there were two with devils. It's kind of interesting how it was reported. Nevertheless, when they came, verse 28 said that these devils possessed these men, I suppose, kept them living in the tombs. Why is that important for us to see? I want you to listen to how this works when you read the context of this story. These men were living in tombs. You understand? They had redefined living in a place where death dwells. They had become satisfied with living in tombs and calling it life. But they were surrounded by death. At some point, you got to get sick of being around dead stuff. 
Oh, God, here it comes. I'm going to pastor you for a minute. That means some of your weekly phone conversations have to stop. That means some folks just need to know, until you finally start speaking life, I can't be around you. Ooh, pastor, that's hard. It ain't harder than having to live putting up with that junk all the time. When you're constantly confused, constantly down, constantly out, and you realize every time you hang up the phone with that person, you feel like your war slap out. Is this all right? Some of us need to just tell some folks, I'm going over here to get some victory, and when you're ready, you can come join me. I, 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 I can't take people that's got asphalt and gravel in their bottom lip all the time. Can I just be real and tell you tonight, you got the Holy Ghost. You got the Holy Ghost and fire. It's time for us to live in victory. Get out of the tombs. Come on, live life with us. I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying. I finally finished my introduction, so let me preach my sermon. I'm almost done. Coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce. Look at this verse with me, if you would. Verse 28. That no man might pass by that way. Can I lay a little groundwork on my way out the door here? I want you to notice this context. They just came through the storm, and they're parking their boat. Understand that the Lord did things in order. He didn't just pull up to a random place and park his boat. He pulled up to the docking shipyard of the city. They parked their boat where everybody else parked their boat. I believe that. I don't believe that Jesus went to a random place on the island to park his boat. I believe he came into the port of call and he parked his boat there. And when they got to the port of call where people were supposed to be doing business, there were devils there. And the Bible said that no man could pass by that way. In other words, the devils had shut down business in the city. Mm. Are you walking with me right here? They pull up to the port, and when they get out at the port, there's no boats, there's no people, and they're wondering where everybody is. Where's all the fishermen? Where's all the marketers? Where, where, where's all the dealers? Where's, where's all the people that's been setting up to sell? Where, where, where's everybody at? And then they hear that sound coming out of the cemetery. They're like, ah, we see what it is now. Nobody can come through this way. Because the devils in that man or those men have been blocking the way of progress. So I came on this Sunday night to jerk the covers on some spirits that have been keeping some of you out of the gates of business. And I've walked up in here tonight and you need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt and hear me, hear me well tonight. There's been some garbage going on in this county over the last couple days I didn't know about. But apparently we got a little spirit fest going on in Madison County. Yeah. Got a little spirit fest going on. Got a little abracadabra, hocus pocus. A little witchcraft going on. But I want to tell you one thing that I love to rub in the face of the devil. And I just want you to hear me well. I don't care what they got going. We've had a move of God up in here today. Because the devil can't stop revival. Somebody's going to get the Holy Ghost. Somebody's going to be delivered. Somebody's going to be set free. I'm standing up here to tell you tonight I am not intimidated. I'm not afraid. 
I'm not ashamed. I'm not scared. I'm not cowering down. I'm not backing down. I've come to tell every devil that's been standing in the gates of revival, get out of my way. I'm going through. Listen to what I'm telling you. Some of you have been asking the devil's permission to do business in the gate. That's over tonight. I am going through. Devil, get out of the gates. Get out of the port. Get out of the man. Get out of here. Jesus used one two-letter word. He said, go. So tonight I stand in the authority of that great name. And I'll tell every spirit of darkness and every spirit of bondage and every spirit of addiction, go. I'm not going to stand at the gates of revival and beg the devil to let us have revival. He doesn't have dominion here. Go! I'm going through. I'm not begging anymore. I'm not asking anymore. I'm not playing games anymore. Mm. God, I feel something coming on me right now. Some of you have been negotiating with the devil to let you have a good marriage. Tonight, tonight, you walk to the gate of that relationship and tell the devil, I'm going through. My family's going to be saved. My family's going to have revival. My family's going to be delivered. I'm here to resurrect some dreams and some prayers in people that quit asking a long time ago because you got afraid to pray big prayers. Call their name one more time. Pray one more time. Believe one more time. Let God work. Come on, are we waiting on the music tonight? <laughs> Devil, I'm going through. You blocked my way long enough. We've danced around long enough. I'm going through. of Anderson, Indiana and Madison County and this region tonight this church is going through oh God I feel him here Come on, somebody, help me right now. Devil, we're not asking. We're not asking you right now. Go. It's starting to shake up in here right now. I feel the undercurrent starting to shift in here right now. Somebody that's been dealing with addiction in here and you've been dancing with the devil, you need to let him know right now, I'm through playing games. Go, because I'm going through.
you waiting on, Pastor? I'm waiting on somebody to realize who's with you tonight. Listen. As demons spoke out, said, if you come to torment us before our time, let me just break that down for you and tell you what that means. It means we're not through doing what we started to do with these people. We're not finished doing what we're doing. But the Lord said, you're about to get some early walking papers. Did you come to torment us before we were finished? Brother Lang, I've come to serve notice on some devils tonight. They may not have thought they were finished. But as of tonight, you're done. I'm going through and I'm not asking permission I'm going through listen I'm gonna be honest with you right now just being honest I feel led to do this but if you're not full of the Holy Ghost I wouldn't even dare do this all right I'm going to tell you what I feel led to do. If you are full of the Holy Ghost in this place tonight, you don't have to believe in this, and if you don't, then don't even join. But we are about to be transported in prayer to the gates of this nation right now. God, I feel the Holy Ghost here. We're about to be translated in the Holy Ghost in a spirit of prayer. To the gates of this very nation in which we live right now. From sea to shining sea, from border to border, Father, release your angel armies. We are speaking to the principalities and powers. The rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. You may feel like you're not finished with America, but you need to know tonight God's not finished with us either. And you gotta go. I command the spirit of fear to come off every God called pastor. I command the spirit of boldness to come on our pastors and our evangelists. And when they preach, they'll preach with boldness. And the gates of hell will not prevail. And we will see harvest. And we will see people filled with the Holy Ghost. And we will see the waters of baptism troubled. You gotta go, devil!